0: Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world.
1: And we're going to be looking at John chapter 4 of John. John chapter 4. And we're just going to be reading two verses in John chapter 4. We're going to be reading verse 34 and also verse 35 of John chapter 4. Amen? John chapter 4, verse verse 34 and 35. And here Jesus said unto them, My need is to the will of of him that sent me, and to finish his work." Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh to harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the field, for they are white, are ready for harvest. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just pray God's anointing in this place, that the anointing will continue in this place tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit and the presence of your Holy Spirit that we're able to stand and feel in this place this evening. I pray that you give me the words to be able to communicate your message. And Lord, touch the hearts of your people, I pray, for we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You you may be seated. Tonight I was thinking about what should I minister about in, in this great service and I really feel strongly that the Lord has impressed upon me to minister about the importance of evangelism. The importance of evangelism. In other words, the importance of being a soul-winning church and winning soul. I really feel with all my heart that God wants to do some great and powerful things. I want to do some great and powerful things, not only in this church, but in all of the ministries throughout the Chicago area. And I, I, the, the important thing is for each and every person that is within the congregation to really have a desire, a desire to win souls and be the, the soul-winning person that God wants you to be. You see, God's desire is to raise up a church that is really a soul-winning church. And you know, in in Victory Outreach, most of the time when we go into a city and we go into a neighborhood, the type of people that we reach, we may reach a few of them, but we don't reach transfer people that come from other churches. Usually, if you're gonna build a church Victory Outreach style, or you go into a neighborhood to be able to penetrate that neighborhood, then you have to believe God that God is going to give you people that are not saved, that they're going to come in and they're going to be saved. And that's the way the church is, is made up of, of people that were lost just like uh, Stacy was saying this evening and gave her testimony. Most of our churches are made up of people that were lost, but somebody spoke to them. Or they came in through the home and they were in bondage, but all of a sudden they experienced the miracle-saving power of Jesus Christ within their lives. Now, there are uh, many ministries that overnight there's great of set. and the bigger churches than, than many of our churches, and, and they come into an area, and within the period of just uh, of two years, you hear sometimes a church coming in or somebody coming in and opening up a place and beginning to have services, and in the period of two years, all of a sudden they have 2,000 people or 3,000 people. It says, wow, isn't that tremendous? Well, it would really be tremendous, and it would really make a, a dent in the, in the kingdom of, of, of Satan if those people that came in were converted. But many times what happens in those cases is that a pastor comes in or a minister comes in begins the minister, and if it's a good preacher or a well-known preacher, he gets on television, and all of a sudden, he begins to empty out all the other churches in the neighborhood. And he gets an influx of Christians that are coming to his church. Now, I don't have anything against people coming in from other churches. I always believe that sometimes God has a, a place to you or a place for a person, and, and he's the one that places us where he wants us. But the only way we are going to advance the kingdom of God It's only through soul winning and evangelism and people coming in from darkness into the light of Jesus Christ and and all of a sudden experience the saving power of God within their lives. That's the only way. When all of a sudden we go into a city and people come in and they're delivered and they're saved by the power of God. So it is very important then if our churches are going to grow and I've seen this in, in Victory Outreach Ministry, and I travel all over now, and I, and I see that the churches that are really growing and the churches that are really blossoming are churches that are soul-winning churches. In other words, people that God has raised up, and they have a passion within their hearts to reach out to other people and to bring the saving message of, to other people so that they could come and give their lives to Christ. Those are the churches that are blossoming today in Victory Island. And I hope and pray that tonight, as I minister, that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. I hope and pray that all of a sudden tonight, God will do something within your life that your life will be so revolutionized that when you leave this place tonight, you're going to purpose within your heart and you're going to say, You know what? I'm, from this day on I am going to be a soul winner and I'm going to reach people and I'm going to bring them in by the grace of God into the kingdom of God I believe that there are many people that us will raise up that are going to purpose within their hearts you see when we think about soul winning when we think about winning people to Christ this is a a call that comes from within it is something that should be natural for the Christian. I don't believe you have to be hitting people over the head, Christians over the head, and saying please and, and beg them to win souls. It should be something that is natural. In fact, just the opposite is true. It, it's unnatural for a Christian not to win souls. It's unnatural for a Christian not to be a witness of Jesus Christ as soon as jesus comes into your life as soon as he comes in and as soon as you experience the, the peace of god and the power of god within your life you have to tell
0: somebody
1: it is something that comes natural but you want to go out and begin to tell people about it see freely as you have received the bible says also freely give I think one of the greatest examples that we have in the Bible is Jesus. But let me also say this, that I was able to observe something here that was great throughout this week. And, you know, most of the time you see conferences or people that get together for teaching of the Word of God, whether it's uh, women's ministry or whether it's uh, a men's conference or just a, a conference, after they receive and they're full, Then they go home. But I like what happens here with the women. I like what what happens here with the women. The women are are receiving. And they're receiving the word of God. And then the last day, just the last day or before the last day, when they're receiving, what do they do? On their agenda is we're going to take the message out to the streets. And I heard that when uh, I'm looking in in it going. it's easy to do it like you say let's go to the streets in California nice weather the sun is shining let's take the gospel to the streets but over here it was snowing <coughs> and cold freezing and I said to her, Pastor Nick I said oh, surely those women are not going to go to the street. I said, let's find out where they're going to go, and then we'll just go where they're going to go, but I'm, I'm sure they're not going to have a street meeting, None of this. are the weather, and the it's going to go even more. And he called up, and they said, no, we're going to the street. And guess what happened? I, I heard the report. They got on a, on, a, on a flatbed truck, right? That's what it was. It's not these women. I, I mean, A bunch of people in in those those projects, what do you call it again? Caprini Green? All of a sudden, a bunch of women coming from a conference, all women coming from a conference on a flatbed truck, testifying to them about Jesus, that Jesus is able to save them and touch their lives. I mean, it is unnatural for the person that lives in the flesh. And it's even unnatural for a lot of Christians when you see the weather in this freezing cold. I mean, if there was ever an excuse that day, that was an excuse to say, you know what, the weather is not good, let's cancel it. You know what happened to these women? I know what happened to these women. They all follow the Holy Ghost. They've they, they been here sitting all week in the, on the feet of Jesus and God ministering to them and, and touching their lives. And I'm sure they said, if we don't get out there and tell somebody, we're going to explode. So what did they do? They went out there and on a flatbed choice and started telling people about Jesus. Last time, Rosarito. Oh, these women are something else, man. I think some of us, man, we got to do that. Right, see? Rosarito, right after the last day of Rosarito, I don't know if some of you were there, some of you probably didn't go, because these coast maybe some didn't go. But the last day in Rosarito, that's what they did. They had the meeting, and then they end around 12 o'clock, and they said, we're going to go to Tijuana, And we're going to go where all the twilight treasures are at. You know, why I try to use the women of the night, you know what I mean? Streetwalkers. you know? And and, and in, in Mexico, man, they, they're all lined up, man. I mean, they're all lined up, you know? Waiting for John to come by. And what did these women do? They went out there, they had a street rally. Julie came back, she came back so scared up that when she began to tell me about it, you could even see the tears in her face. and as She began to tell me about this, the different experiences of how, as they were ministering to these women that were in bondage, they were telling them there's hope in Jesus Christ. And then some of the other women got up that were delivered from that type of lifestyle, started testifying about how God has set them free. And God gave them many, many women that day that they responded and gave their lives to Christ, and some of them wanted to go into the home. Imagine that now isn't that a great way to end the conference well why is it that they do it the reason why is because it's something that comes natural once you receive jesus within your life the best example we have of somebody that had a, a soul winning heart was jesus in fact uh jesus was always going about if you if you read the story of jesus within the gospels you always find that he was always going out looking for somebody and ministering to somebody it was jesus that when nicodemus came to him at night remember that and what did he do he came to him at night the first thing jesus told him nicodemus you need to be born again he gave him the born again plan and he told them the importance of a born-again experience. Nicodemus, he came at night. You must be born again, Nicodemus. You may be a moral person, but you need to be born again. You need that born-again experience. And then what about this Samaritan woman? I, he was going on his way to Galilee, but he must need go through Samaria because there was a Samaritan woman that was in need and then what about the woman that was taken in adultery he went ahead and he intervened when everybody wanted to stone her and he said he who has no sin let him cast the first stone this woman's life was totally transformed what about the demonic Gadarene? he was a demonic and he was there in the tombs, and he would cut himself, and he lived in, in chains. But as soon as he came face to face with Jesus Christ, it tells us about in Luke chapter 8 and verse 26, his life was totally transformed, and all of a sudden, in a moment's time, he's standing there before Jesus in his right mind. And then what about Mary Magdalene, and I could go on and on, and about the people that one-to-one Jesus was able to minister to them. What about his disciples? In the New Testament, it tells us that John the Baptist, he was baptizing, and then all of a sudden, when Jesus came on the scene, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And you know, John the Baptist had disciples. And those very same disciples that John the Baptist had, what John did when Jesus came on the scene, he started pointing them to Jesus. And he pointed Andrew and John to Jesus. And then Andrew, the Bible tells us, as soon as he came to Jesus, and he found Jesus, and he found the Messiah, and he experienced him, as soon as he came to him, it says that, He first went and found his brother, Peter, and then he introduced him to Jesus. Now that was a big fish. You think about Andre. You see, you think about the different types of personalities. Andre was more of the more passive guy, quiet guy, behind the scene guy. And Peter was always the preacher and the loud one. He was the leader. But without Andre, You wouldn't have a peter it was andre that as soon as he he met jesus the first thing he did was think about i have a brother that's also in need and i need to reach my brother and bring him if i could only introduce him to jesus and he won first and he went and he got his brother and he won him to jesus and then jesus won philip and then philip won nathaniel And then Jesus came and he ministered to the woman at the well. And the woman at the well went out and reached her entire town. And then the Philippian jailer found Jesus at midnight. It's recorded in Acts 16. And before morning, I don't know how this happened. This is heavy. The Philippian jailer at midnight finds Jesus. He has an experience with Jesus. And before morning his whole family was saved now that's pretty heavy man what about the church when they began to persecute the church in jerusalem they scattered everywhere preaching and telling people about jesus and that's where the very first church gentile church was established you see the bible makes it clear that for the christian for you and for i Winning souls should be natural. Think about it for a moment. I'm sure that somebody, I said somebody, had something to do within your life. Somebody that somehow, they went out of their way to give you the message and and tell you about the love of God. You know, I, I stand here today you know, you, you know about Nikki Cruz, how he was influenced. He, he had a he had an influence in my life, right? But do you know there's somebody that you don't even know about? Some people don't know about. There was a young man that I don't I don't even know where he is right now. I haven't seen him again for years. I haven't seen him. But he was a guy in the neighborhood. Somebody like Andrew. He wasn't a preacher, a loud preacher like Nikki Cruz or somebody that's very visible. But he was the type of guy, behind the scene guy. And he used to be a dolphin. And this guy, when I was standing on a street corner in Brooklyn, New York, waiting for an ounce of heroin, at the right moment, at the right time, this guy came passing by, and he came up to me, and he started giving me his testimony. You know what he told me? He said, you know, I know you're waiting for, for drugs. And I know you're, you're hooked on heroin. But I want you to know, and he started giving me his testimony, Jesus changed my life and set me free. And then he was the one that God used to take me over to Nikki Cruz. And then between him and Nikki and David Wilkerson, then God did the work within my life. But it was this guy... That he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God had touched his life. You know what he said? He told me, he started, you see, you got to just give it out the way it is. Right on the street corner, he started telling me, you know what? He says, I was going to commit suicide. See that building over there? I was going to jump off that building and commit suicide and take my life. But Jesus spoke to me. And when he spoke to me he touched my life and i gave my life to jesus and i'm not a drug addict no more and jesus could do the very same thing for you he got my attention because deep inside i was desperate and i wanted to change and then he took me over to nikki and before you know it my life was changed you know what happened to me as soon as my life was changed the very first thing i didn't wait i was in a home like some of the homes that you guys are in. I was in Team Challenge in Brooklyn. And as soon as I got saved, the very next day, after I, had, I remember the experience I had. I mean, I, I had a, a radical experience. I needed that type of radical experience. I mean, God touched me. I lost control of my emotions. I was broken by the Holy Spirit. That there wasn't any doubt whatsoever in my life and the people that were around me that something had taken place in my life. And then the very first thing I did is I said, I gotta take what I got and I gotta tell somebody about it. You know, the first person thing I wanted to tell was my mama. See, my mama had been praying for so many years and I, you know, wouldn't listen to her. She'd be praying and praying. And she was the first person. I went over to my house I remember going in there, as soon as I went in my house, I said, Mama, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ came into my life. She said, What? I even had to take some guys with me because she wouldn't believe me. She said I was the biggest liar in town. So I took some witnesses with me. And I said, Mama, I went to this place and... Uh, It's a long story. This guy took me there. I met this ex-gang member, and a junkie was over there, too, and they laid hands on me, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I don't know what happened, but, Mama, I love you now. Jesus Christ is in my life. We started hugging, and I didn't even want to put her down, and, and, and then I left. When I left, you know what she did? She told my sister soon as my sister came home, she said, you won't believe what happened. She says, what happened? She says, I want to tell you about Sonny. She says, what did he do now? She says, Sonny was here. You wouldn't believe what happened. Sonny came here. He came here with Christian friends, and Sonny gave his life to Jesus Christ. He's saved, and he's not the same anymore. You know what my sister said? Oh, my God, because we grew up in Sunday school, so she knew about the rapture and all that. She says, Oh, my God, if Sonny got saved, then Jesus must be coming soon, and I don't want to stay behind. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. You see the reaction? One person gets touched. That person tells somebody. That person tells somebody else. I remember one of the experiences that I had, because I want to tell you something. You know, there was revival that broke out in New York City. Revival with drug addicts. Even before there was a victory outreach, there was a move of God that broke out in New York City. And then that move of God began to spread all over the world through the Ministry of Teen Challenge. And I remember I was the first drug addict. That was converted in Team Challenge in Brooklyn, New York. Nikki was a, an ex gang leader. It was Nikki and I. And here I am, you know. And we started going out there and and reaching people. I remember Nicky says, let's go to let's go over there to see the, the Hellburners. burners and he Nicky was into the gangs. So let's go see the Hellburners. Or let's go see the Phantom Lords. So we were ministered to the Phantom Lords and minister to minister to the Hellburners and minister to the dragons and and I remember the first time I ministered, I remember I went to my neighborhood, and or I went to where the gangs were, and, and I, I, Nikki says, just get testified. Isn't it? Give your testimony, and when you run out of what to say, I'll take it from there. So we did that, I did that. You know, I get up there, you know, i you? That I'm sunny, and, and I was all messed up. Sometimes I even say some cuss words or something, you know what I mean, in between, you know, you don't even know. If you think I'm bull, something you—I didn't know any better, you know. I I had not yet learned the Christian vocabulary. And then when I run out, I said, "Nikki, take it, and Nikki, take it, come over here right now. You need to give your life to Jesus." You know, we were a team. Then after that, I, I said, you know what, man? I says, we've been ministry to these gang guys, and I says, but well, I know some dope things that really need Jesus. I says, I know a lot of them. I come from there. I says, let's go see the dope things. and I says, you know what? We bring we'll bring them right into the center, and just the way I got saved, you laid hands on me, right? You laid hands on me. God delivered me. God'll do it for them. Simple. So he said, all right, let's do it. So he says, uh, he says, you get, you give your testimony again. So we went out there, we went out to the neighborhood where all the things were. And I said, hey man, it's me, it's Sonny. You remember I was the one that used to burn you? I was the one that used to rob your apartments and I want to tell you that Jesus Christ did. And then they started coming up. I started giving my testimony. After I gave my testimony, Nikki came in and also called, and we said, those of you that want to be delivered, he says, if you want a deliverance like Sonny was delivered, they want you to come and get in the van. And you know what we did? All of a sudden, they got in the van. We filled the van up. Filled the van up. And then we took them down to the center. What did I know about intake or anything like that? Nicky didn't know anything about that either. So, what we did is we take him into the chapel, and the same way I was delivered, I said, Okay, come on over here, man. You see some of these dolphins. Get over here. Give me a head. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You're delivered. Now you come out over there. In the name of Jesus. And I stopped punching the Satan. Get out of here right now. And he gets delivered. You know what we did? We filled that place with dolphins that came from Spanish Harlem, from the Bronx, from from Brooklyn, and from Manhattan, and all over this place. The place was full of guys, guys that were delivered, and God God was raising up an army. God was raising up an army. Then, in the midst of that, all of a sudden, the Lord takes me to California to go to Bible school. Could you imagine? I'm over there in the midst of fire, preaching out there, and sometimes they're throwing eggs at us, you know, from the windows. and, and Throwing water at us, and, and where they're preaching, and, and they're making altar calls. You feel the anointing of God, and they're coming and getting saved. And then all of a sudden, God knew what he was doing. I want to stay, and
0: I couldn't be here and keep it up.
1: And then David says, no, you Sonny, God spoke to me. I'm going to send you to California. You know what he did? He sent me all the way in the middle of the country, in La Puente, California, in a Bible school, where they even have cowboys that they ride around in horses. And I was over there, and I said, my God, I'm going to die. Here I was in New York telling people about Jesus and seeing the power of God and people delivered, and all of a sudden now I'm in a Bible school with a bunch of guys and girls in squares. And I'm sitting there and real formal, you know, and everything real formal. And I'm saying, We're the drug addicts, man. Where, you know, what's happening here? And you guess you know what happened? The Lord always brings something. The Lord brought one drug addict, Julie's brother. I was sitting there in the classroom, and I seen a guy, and I see the, you know, he's talking about characteristics, you know, he goes, you know,
0: you know,
1: and I look and I say, this guy looks, man, like he was a dolphin. And then I went over to him, and I said, hey, man, where you from? He's said, I'm from East L.A. I said, you're, you're a bit dolphin? He said, yeah, man. I said, how long have you been out? Oh, you know, using has you know, six months. I said, well, I've been about eight months. So I said, you mean you've got drug addicts out here in the country? To me, it was country. He says, oh, yeah. He says, I could take you to East L.A., and you see all kinds of dope things. I said, let's go see that, man. I want to see that. I said, I just came from revival in New York City where God was delivering them. And you know what he did? He took me to East L.A. And sure enough, I saw dope in East L.A., and I saw the ganglions. And I said, wow, man, even in the country. When you come out of Chicago, out of New York, everything looks like country. And you know what I did? I, I was sitting, I was there in class and I'm studying and I'm learning the word of God. He's getting in me. And I'm saying, I got to tell somebody. And then I tell the president, I says, can I get an evangelistic team? He says, no you're here to study the word of God you're here to study the word of God for three years and after three years when you get the word of God then you can get out there and you'll be a minister of the gospel and you'll give the gospel and you'll be prepared to give the gospel I said my God in three years I'm going to die three years without telling somebody about Jesus because everybody there was Satan I'm going to die so I said, I got to do something. So you know, you, you know you know, that Dauphine mentality. I started thinking, I got to find a way, man. We got to do something about here. We, we got to bring revival in this place. And then I went over to uh, the president again. And I said, listen, I organized a team. And I remember that's when I met Julie and I put her as a secretary, the team. I organized a whole mission team, an evangelistic team. Now we couldn't go out, because they don't let us go out. But we were an evangelistic team anyhow. So we were doing, for a while, I was praying for revival in, in America, revival in the ghettos, revival. We're praying, but nobody's doing nothing. So I went over to the president, and I said to the president, listen, we gotta get out there. I gotta get, I got a team, And we have a whole missions team, and we're gonna die if we don't get out there and begin to witness about Jesus. And then finally I kept on bugging him so much that he says, I'll tell you what, he says, you have girls on that team, so you need a chaperone. And if you get a pastor and he and he 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 sponsors you and he'll be responsible, then I'll go ahead and approve it. He thought I couldn't get a pastor. If I went out there, man. And I was looking for a church that was desperate. I was looking for a church that didn't have nobody. was desperate. And I went over to a pastor. and I says, "Listen, I says you want you know what, man? I have an evangelistic team, and we'll do evangelism. We'll fill your church. But you got to be our sponsor and get us out of school. By the way, do you have a van?" You need a van. He says, "No, I got a truck, though, and a truck, and you could we could seat around ten people." I said, "That's good enough." So I said, "You know, go with me to school." I took I took him over there to the president. You should have seen that president. I mean, he was so formal. You know, the guy was like, you know, real formal. And I brought him and I said, hey, "You know, you said that I get a sponsor, pastor. I got him right here, and he's going to be responsible." and he's going to chaperone us and we'll take the guys and the girls and he brings us back and he's even got a vehicle and it's all insured, and everything's fine. Then he says, is, is that true? He says, yes, 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 I'll sponsor them. And oh. you know what we did? We formed an evangelistic team and we started doing evangelism in East LA. And do you know that even before we had Victory Outreach, that what we did, just a little group, seemingly insignificant group, David Wilkerson in New York heard that we were doing evangelism in Los Angeles and he said, Sonny, maybe you guys could pioneer and begin to stir up over there and maybe we could have a Teen Challenge Center in Los Angeles. You know what we did? Through our evangelism and hooking up with other people as well to do evangelism, we established the first Teen Challenge Center in Los Angeles.
0: <laughs>
1: Why? Because there was fire within our bones that we wanted to see people get saved. You see, it's important, it's very important to understand that when God saves you, God wants to use you. And the only way He could use you is when all of a sudden you develop that burden to be able to reach other people as well. So it's something that should come natural. It's something that naturally comes from within. And I pray to God that I never lose it. See, when you lose it, you lose the joy of it all. We are involved. Victory outreach is involved in taking the message to the world and giving hope to those people that are hopeless and people that are in bondage to let them know that they're able to be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. How many can say amen to that? Let me move quickly. So it's from within that comes natural. And then it's also. There's a calling that comes to us from without. Now, what do I mean from without? Well, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, you don't have to turn to it, it says about Jesus, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest field. You see, Jesus was able to see the need. And I'm sure that I don't have to labor this a lot. You look around you, there's a lot of need. There's people that are homeless, there's prostitution, there's child abuse, there's drug addiction, alcoholism. You go on and on, and all around us, there is great need. And you know what a Christian should, the heart of a Christian should be able to reach out and feel for the needs of those people. If you have the heart of God, you should also have a heart that is able to feel compassion for the needs of those people. You see, Jesus described his ministry in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I like that. You know, as I, as I read about the ministry of Jesus or, or read about his uh, mission statement, it sounds like a victory outreach minister. Doesn't it sound like it? He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, Recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Isn't that the heart of Victory Outreach? Where do we usually go? Where did did Pastor Nick take me? He didn't take me to the Beverly Hills of Chicago. He took me to the Valentine's Day Massacre. Al Capone's neighborhood. Took me to all the projects, the Green and these other projects, and, and, and usually when these guys take me, this is what I love about them. It's just like Jesus. When he looked out there, he saw the need, he felt compassion. He got excited to be able to minister to the people that were in need. You know what guys do? When, when I go to a city, the guys take me and they say, look, isn't, that, isn't this great? And I look and I see why not? I see people fixing, I see women out there, prostitution, they say, man, isn't it great? I say, what's great about it? I mean, the need, the need is that they get all stirred up because there's a need. They are challenged and feel compassion and and moved upon because there's a need that needs to be met. I see this over and over within our ministry, and this this is the heart of Jesus. This is the type of heart that Jesus had. In John chapter four, we have a story there that it's about the Samaritan woman. And she was an outcast of society. Even the disciples didn't want anything to do with her. I think she would be like, uh, she would qualify to be a victory outreach sister, right? She had five husbands and the one that she was living with was not her husband. And those disciples, nobody wanted anything to do with her. You know what Jesus did? He heard her cry. And he says, I must need go through Samaria. I'm on my way to Galilee, but I have to go through Samaria. And then he found a Samaritan, because it was a Samaritan woman that was in need. And then when the disciples came, it was kind of interesting. When they came, they saw him talking to this woman. They were amazed. And they didn't understand why he was lowering himself and putting himself down and lowering the standards to talk to this woman. And then they brought food, and they said, you want to eat? And he says, no, no. He says, I'm full. I'm not hungry. He said, my meat is to do the will of God that sent me and to finish his work. You know what happened to Jesus when his disciples came back? He was all stirred up. You know why he was stirred up and he was full because he was feeling the joy of seeing somebody that was in bondage and on her way to hell and he gave her the message and she accepted it and her life was totally delivered but not only that he also had a purpose for her life you know it's amazing the way the lord has a purpose for us you know why he saved this woman he just didn't save her So that she would go ahead and just make it into heaven and just experience deliverance but he saved her and delivered her because he knew that she came from a place where there was desperate need and he says I just know it that if I get a hold of this woman and she gets what I got and she gets turned on and her life is delivered then she's going to go back to her people and begin to witness about me and that's what this woman did she went back to her neighborhood and she began to tell everybody come see a man i don't know much theology i don't know much about him but all i know is that he spoke to me and my life has been delivered come see a man i want you to meet this jesus then many came and also experienced the same experience that this woman experienced. See, God always raises up people to meet a need. Now listen to me. and I'm going to be wrapping it up real soon. But listen to me. You're not here because of coincidence. You know, we're not. I want you to know tonight that we're not just a blessing ministry. If you want to be in a blessing ministry, there's a lot of ministries like that. I want to find out what I can get. Ministries like that, that people are so selfish, they just come to get something. But God has given us already. Once we have received, we're a ministry that as we receive, then we go out and we begin to give. In other words, we're a ministry that the Lord has raised up for a purpose. And whenever there is a need, God always raises up a people and he raises up a man. See, God raised Moses because he heard the cry of the people that were in Egypt. And then also God raised the Samaritan women because he heard the cry of the Samaritan people. So he raised them up so in turn they could go out there and do the work. And this is the way this work has been founded. My wife and I, it wasn't our wisdom and our the depth that we have as far as intellectual and knowledge for us to go to East LA and all over the world. And through this humble couple and those other people that are going to come, those humble people like Steve Pineda and, and, and other humble people like Pastor Nick and Sister Myra that are going to be coming in and other pastors and Fernando and his wife, he says, I'm going to take those people and through them, I'm going to cause a a city to come to me, I'll bring revival, I'll break the yoke of bondage and chains of bondage within the lives of people. Always through somebody that is willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me. You know that, uh, and let me say this, hope you don't get embarrassed, but Willie Jordan, you know that a good portion of her life. I remember when I first went to LA, I used to watch television and her husband used to minister on television. I never seen Willie. Willie was behind the scenes, and she was raising her children. But her husband was the one that would minister on television. They had the rescue mission in LA, Fred Jordan Rescue Mission, reaching out to the people that were hurting. Well, you know what happened one day? the Lord went ahead and took a husband. He went home to be with the Lord. And here's a woman that never, she wasn't in the front line, always behind the scenes, raising her children. But at that moment, the Lord took Go on. There is a need, there's a great need. There are many people that are still in bondage, many people that still need to be reached. And Lord, and if you want to use me, then here I am. I make myself available. And you know what God has done? Even since she's taken over, the work has actually tripled. She's on television, she's ministering. Many people have gotten saved because she was willing to step in there and say, God started something. There is a need, and we must continue to reach out to those people that are in need, and God used her in a tremendous way, and now they are, God is using her in a tremendous way, and people are being saved in Los Angeles and other places as well, because she was willing to step in there and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Now, you know, many times, whenever we think about, this is a message that, If you don't really have it, if you're not a soul winner, you don't get excited. You know what I mean? It's like a hard message to preach. Because most people really don't have it. Like that desire to win souls. You know, we like to have a good time in church. We come in, hallelujah, glory to God, and let's kick the double. You get excited about that. But when I talk about reaching souls or being a soul winner, then there's some people that really begin to lose the excitement. Because not everybody's a soul winner. Could you imagine if all of you were soul winners, there won't be a, a, a building large enough to accommodate the crowd. You won't, you won't be at a standstill. There's some churches that are a standstill. If they're at a standstill, something's happening. Nobody's gone out there fishing. And they're not bringing them in. But could you imagine if all of us, a church is ignited. And the church is saying, I'm going to go out there and reach those. You know, in South America, Latin America, is some of the greatest, largest churches. And you know why they are? Because there's a mentality of soul winning. There's a mentality that everybody's a soul winner. And what they do is they have their service, and in the morning after the service, they go out to witness. And then they come back, and they bring somebody for the evening service, and that somebody gets saved. And the church grows and, and grows and grows because, because the people are soul winners. Now we use a lot of excuses why we don't reach souls. Some people are say, and I want to give you some of them. I'm going to try to go through them real fast. Some people say, I'm a new convert, and I'm not knowledgeable enough to win souls. You know, I'm a baby. And because I'm a, a little spiritual baby, I can't win souls. And sometimes we have the mentality that you have to be a theologian before you can win a soul. You know what I have found? I have found that the most effective people are people that have just come out of darkness. Those are the most effective people that are able to win souls. You know what happened to us when we first started our ministry? We went a group of people. We went about 100 people that all of them were soul winners. You know, this is the way our ministry exploded. You know, I was discouraged. That meet some people in the church that were all feeling having a pity party about themselves
0: and they
1: were half Christians, kind of half on drugs and not on drugs, and you know, one foot in, one foot out, you know. And I say, my God, I'm not gonna build a church like this. And then I was so discouraged. And I said, man, I feel like giving up, man. I don't I don't like this thing. I says, I'm over here with a bunch of deadbeats. And, 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 and they're, 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 they don't get saved. I said, God, I need a revival. And I was going to quit. I was at the verge of quitting. And I've said the story many times that I was going to quit. But then all of a sudden, the Lord said, spoke to me and said to me, you know what I want you to do? I want you to call this evangelist. I said, I want you to have a crusade. And he even gave me the name of the evangelist. And I had heard about the evangelist. But I didn't know him. And he was the type of evangelist that would be ministering in some of these churches that at least they have people. You know what I mean? He wasn't a street evangelist that had just come in. He was an evangelist that was a pretty well-known evangelist. And the Lord gave me his name and said, I want you to invite him for a crusade. And I told my wife, guess what the Lord told me to invite this evangelist, is you think he'll come? I said, I don't know, but we might as well just be obedient. So I called him up, and I said to him, you know, this is the reason why I'm calling you. Because God told me to call you, <laughs> and told me to invite you to come, and if you would be willing to give us a crusade, but I want you to know this, we ain't got no money. We ain't got no money, and I got me a group of people that are half-safe. And they're still on drugs. And that's all I got. I said, so if you can't make it, I understand. I understand. you can't make I was expecting him to say, well, you know what? I can't make it. I'm too booked up. So he says, well, when are you thinking about that? And then the Lord had told us about, what do he tell you, about three weeks from now? Something like that? Or about two weeks from now? I said, you know, the Lord gave me a a, a date about two weeks from now. He says, two weeks from now? I said, we need it fast. (laughs) If we're going to have revival, we need it fast. We need it soon. I was desperate. And then he said, well, you know what? He said, I don't think I can do it, but let me look at the calendar. Then as he looked at the calendar, he said, you know what? It just happened that this morning... I received a cancellation. And he says, You know what? He says, I, 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 I feel the leading. I'm going to go. He says, What is the name of that church again? At that time, we didn't call it Victory Out. I said, Victory Temple, Drug Addict Church. That's what they used to call it, Victory Temple, the Attic Church. I said, Victory Temple, the Attic Church. He said, What? I said, Well, you know, it's, it's Addicts that are in the church. He said, Well, you know, this is strange, but I really feel that I should go. So I says, We ain't got any money. I don't know. You know, I says, "Well, We'll just try to raise an offering. But, you know, those people, I'm telling you right now, so, and I'm broke. I live in the projects, and I'm broke. And he says, "You know what? I'm going to go anyhow." And he came. You know what happened that week? That week, the power—I don't know where people came from. I started telling those dolphins, "Get out there, give some flyers out." And I gave them flyers. Here, get flyers. Come on. And they started going out with the flyers and passing flyers around. And all of a sudden, people started coming from all over. We packed out the place. It wasn't a big, big place, but we packed out the place. And then all of a sudden, people start getting saved. And we were there one week, and then he said, you know what? He says, I I just called up the other meeting that I had, and I canceled it because God hasn't released me from here yet. How long he say? About three weeks? We went another week. And I remember he used to get his uh, microphone. He used to one of these microphones. he brought his own microphone. He used to throw it around his neck. He used to walk around, be preaching. And all of a sudden, somebody—you come on up here. You're sick. Pow! The Lord will heal them. You in the wheelchair? Come on over here. Pow! They start running. Another one over here. Then he starts making altar calls, and all these dolphins that I had in the church coming up, and they really started getting saved. By the time we finished the revival three weeks of revival the glory and i just stood back in, in, in awesome you know just looking at the glory of god and all of a sudden after three weeks i finally says okay i think this is it the lord's released me after three weeks we had a hundred people i had a, i said all those have gotten saved i want you to meet with me we're gonna have a breakfast we went into this restaurant. I had a hundred brand new people that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And guess what? That was the beginning of victory. You know what the Lord gave us? A hundred people that were all soul winners. Soul winners! You should have seen Philip McCrue's mama. You know Philip? Guess what? Who got saved? His mama. And they were like this. She comes up to me, Oh, Pastor Sonny. Should I call you Father or Pastor Sonny? I said, No, just call me Pastor Sonny. She says, Oh, my God. I didn't know there was a church like this. She says, I got all of my sons are drug addicts. And I'm going to bring them in one by one. I had another one. Oh, how wonderful. They all started going out there. I didn't have to say to them, Go out and win souls. They had just a, a desire to win souls that before you know it, that thing began to multiply. We had a breakthrough. Revival broke out because there was a group of people that were excited about their Christianity, excited about Jesus Christ, and began to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And we haven't stopped since. Hallelujah. And we can say amen. So sometimes the best ones are those that are brand new. That's why I'm a believer that get the home out there on the street. They'll, they'll know what it is to fight Satan. Get him out there. Put a microphone in their hand. Take them back to the neighborhood where they know him. Don't think twice about backsliding. Take them to their neighborhood where they know him. Give them a microphone. Tell them about Jesus. Don't think twice about backsliding. Also, some people say, "I don't have the gift of soul winning." You ever hear people say that? Oh, that was Pastor Nick. I would, win. I would win a lot of souls, and these people talk a lot, I don't talk a lot, and I don't have the gift. How many know that soul winning is not a gift? You know what soul winning is? A command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Or some say I win souls through my local church. I give my tithes, or I pay the preacher and let him win the souls. Well, you know what the preacher's job is? It's not for him to be out there, even though they, they go out. But the job of the preacher is to equip the saints, and then you are the saints, and then you, saints, do the work of the ministry. Or some people say, I'm waiting to get the feeling. Or, you see those real spiritual ones, I have to be led by the Spirit. Yes, You see those? Pastor, I don't want to go out there. You know, I just got a little this. Or I got to get the feeling to be able to get out there. Too many Christians are waiting for a mystical feeling, while souls are going to hell. You know how you get the feeling? By going out there. You get out there, just like Jesus when he after ministering to that woman, he was so stirred up that he said, "I can't even eat." You get excited. Do you, you know you feel a rush? Just like these women. Julie came, hallelujah, hallelujah. I said, what in the world? Huh? We were out there on a, on a flatbed truck telling people about Jesus. I mean, she couldn't even sleep. Because it, you get the feeling after you win somebody to the Lord. I don't know how to win souls. i say you, you, don't have to be an expert to win souls. Oh, you know what you got to do? Just give your testimony. Right? You Just give your testimony. You know how you win souls? You you learn how to win souls by getting out there and winning souls. How do you learn how to ride a bicycle? Riding a bicycle. How do you learn how to walk? By walking. How do you learn how to talk? By talking. How do you learn how to win souls? By getting out there and giving your testimony. If you don't know the Bible, give your testimony. Give everybody your testimony. Before you know it, you'll see how God will be able to use that testimony. Some people say... I believe in making disciples, not getting decisions. Ever hear that? Well, you first got to, before you get decisions, before you make disciples, you have to get decisions. In other words, you got to win people to the Lord. We simply are to live the Christian life before the unsaved, some people say. I win souls not by telling somebody about it, but through my example. And through my example, they're going to come to the Lord you know that's not biblical. It says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or somebody that's going to get out there and testify? And then, last of all, I'm going to finish with this. You know, it's also a, a calling that comes from hell itself. You know what, I'm, what, I'm, what happened to me? And I'm going to finish with this, with this illustration. You know what really revolutionized me? Early in my Christian walk, I made a commitment. This is why I still go on. I still go on. And when, when I, I start getting weary, and I start getting cold, I start thinking about that commitment that I made. I had a friend of mine, You know, when, you, when you're out there using drugs, you got a lot of guys that you know, you, you know that you talk to and you, sometimes you bring it to the Lord. And I had one guy that came to the Lord, his name was Ray. He was a very close friend of mine, he came to the Lord. And I remember that when he first came in, I was so happy because he was one of these guys that I mean, he had a personality that I knew that God was gonna use him in a great way. And he came and he came to the center in Brooklyn. And he, I seen him get saved, and he had a tremendous conversion. And then I remember that I had, when I had to go to Bible school, I went to Bible school. And when I came back from Bible school the first year, all of a sudden I heard, and I came back, I asked for Ray. Where's Ray? And they told me, Ray went back again into the world. And I said, he went back into the world. They said, yeah, he's back again in the neighborhood. And you know what I did? I went ahead and Started praying for him, and you ever pray for somebody that as you begin to pray for them, and God begins to show you that as you're praying, all of a sudden you begin to travail. It's not just interceding, but it's like a travailing. And I, you know, usually I would pray for a lot of people. I had a prayer list. I pray for this one and that one and the other one, and then I included Ray. But all of a sudden, Ray became the the focal person. That I would pray for, and oh, I found myself more and more praying for him. And then I found myself agonizing over Ray, and I found myself in, in, in the chapel for hours just crying out, "Oh God, touch Ray! Oh God, save Ray!" And then all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and says, "I want you to get up, and I want you to go out there. I want you to find Ray, and I want you to bring him back and tell him that it, it's a matter of life and death. He must come back here because." This is his last opportunity. Tell him it's his last opportunity. You know what I did? It was a summertime because I had come back from Bible school. I went out to the neighborhood. I took a friend of mine and I went out to the neighborhood looking for Ray. And I went to all the guys hang out. And all of a sudden I saw Ray, and it was summertime. I saw him had a shirt off. You could see he was under the influence of heroin, like just taking a fix. And then I remember that I went up to him. And I told him, Ray, I says, man, I says, you need to come back to the center. He says, no, nah, Sonny, I'm not gonna go back to the center. You know how guys always begin to complain about, ah, oh, they did this to me or did that to me. I says, listen, Ray, I says, forget about all that. I says, God is telling me that this is your last opportunity and this is your last chance and you need to come back to the center. And I thought, because I really felt the passion and I felt such compassion for him, and I had travailed for him and prayed for him, that he would respond. But this guy kept on saying, no, I'm not ready. And I said, Ray, like I knew it, it was no doubt in my mind that if I walked away and I left him and he didn't come with me at that very moment, that that was his last chance. You know what I did with that guy? I pleaded with him. I made a fool out of myself. In other words, that's the way it would seem before man. That even some of the guys were looking. I was crying before everybody, saying, "Ray, please come back to the center. This is your last chance. God has spoken to me. His son he's stopping. You're embarrassing me in front of these guys. Don't you have any shame?" I says, "Ray, I don't care how I look. I don't care if I'm making a fool out of myself. All I know is that God spoke to me and told me that this is your last chance and your last opportunity." You gotta get back to the center. And I started pulling him.
0: He said, leave me alone.
1: And he had a friend that was saying, oh, come on, let's go, let's split. And then he went ahead and he left. I remember I went back to the center and I couldn't do anything, so I went back and I kept on praying for him. And it was just a few days later, we got a phone call. And guess what happened? Right after he left, I think it was the very next day, He took a fix or he did something. They beat him up and they left him in a hallway, dead. And you know he didn't have any, none of his friends were there. His mom was the one that called up, told us about it. And I remember we went to the funeral. It was his sister, his mom, none of his friends were there. It was just David Wilkerson, Nikki Cruz, and myself. In fact, I don't even know if I still have the picture. But we took a picture. We were standing in front of the casket. And there he was, just the three of us. And you can see his face that was all smashed in. And as I was looking at him, you know what I felt? At that moment, as I was looking at him, I felt like he was crying to me from hell. And telling me, Sonny, Sonny, please go out and tell everybody so they won't have to come to this horrible place. I remember kneeling down in front of that casket, and I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, Lord, from now on, I purpose within my heart that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a soul winner. And I'm going to bring people. I'm going to let you use me to bring people into the kingdom. You know, ever since then, I always remember Ray. can't forget it. I can't forget it. It's always there. As soon as it comes to me, Ray, I remember that the commitment that I made, I can hear the, the cry of Ray from hell itself. Sonny, get out there and tell them so they won't have to come to this horrible place. I think that maybe this is part of it that has energized me throughout the years and going all over the world and and going through the crisis and going through the storms, whenever I think about Ray, think about kneeling there in front of that casket and making not only a promise to God, but making a promise to Ray that for the rest of my life, I was going to dedicate my life and be a soul winner so that people won't have to go to that horrible place. You know in the Bible, there's a story like that. The rich man, Lazarus, you know that there's a, a cry that comes from hell itself? I'm sure you've seen people that are on their way to hell. You, we need to reach them. We need to plug them before they, before they go. And, 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 and in hell, there was the rich man and Lazarus. They died. They were One was in Abraham's bosom. The other one was in a place of torment. And then all of a sudden, what was the cry from that rich ruler, the rich, rich young man? He said, won't you please send Lazarus that he could go and and talk? I got five brothers, and I don't want them to come to this horrible place of torment. And you know what? God told him, God says, no, even if Lazarus arose from the dead, they won't believe him. But I have the preachers out there, I got Moses and I got the prophets out there I got the preachers, I got those the church of God, those that have been redeemed, that are to witness they're the ones that are to take the message, they're the ones that are to get the job done and this is why I say to you this I pray I, I believe revival is going to come I'm going to end ending with this You know, right now we're in a presidential election. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what president's going to come out. there's a battle there. But you know what's happening there? There's really a battle. There's a battle. We don't know what's going to happen in the near future. But we do know about the future because we know in the word of God. And one thing we know, and and this is something that people feel, people sense that we're close to the end. I mean, this country is getting worse and worse as far as morality is concerned, and pretty soon there's going to be the judgment of God. But you know what? I believe that before it, the end comes, before the judgment of God comes, I believe that there's going to be the greatest revival that's ever been experienced in the history of the church. People begin to feel that. We can sense that there's going to be a spiritual. Awakening me, awakening like we have never experienced before. And you know what I feel? I say, You know, Lord, I know that maybe we're not going to be the only ones, but I want victory outreach. If there's going to be revival, if there's going to be a spiritual awakening, I want victory outreach to be right there in the forefront of the great revival. That you're about to bring to the world. I see great things happening, and I believe God wants to give you Chicago. God wants to give you the East Coast. This is the beginning. You know what kind of people we need to be? We need to be people that are soul winners. People that have a passion for souls. I'm going to really end with this. I'm, I'm, I'm finished about finished with this. You know what happened to me when i was in the center i thank god for people like nikki that young man i spoke about that thank god for nikki you know nikki cruz if it wasn't for him i wouldn't be here right now i'm telling you right now it wasn't for that young man for his broken english and everything i wouldn't be here you know what happened to me one time you know when you're new converts you, you, you make wrong decisions and and i made a i just about made a wrong decision Well, I was in a meeting, and you ever have David Wilkerson, he preaches hard. He preaches, somebody's in sin over here, and somebody this, and and, and he looks at you, and you think think he's just talking to you, you know? And I was in a chapel meeting, and he started preaching one of those hard messages. And then he, you know, I said, look at this dude. He's preaching to me. And I guess I was under the conviction, you know? Some of the things that he was saying were probably true. And he was preaching and I got, I got offended. And I said, this guy, man, in front of all these people, he's preaching to me. And he wasn't calling my name, I he was just preaching, but I just felt that he was looking at me, you know? And I got up and I said, you know what? I got up and, I, and instead of going to the altar, I walked out and then I was mad and I went back to the neighborhood. And then I remember that it was about two o'clock in the morning and I was hanging out in one of those uh, restaurants in in Brooklyn, the neighborhood, where the Dolphins were hanging out. And I was there with my old friends again, the Dolphins. They're talking about drugs. And I found myself asking them, well, who, who, what, who has the heavy stuff? You know, I'm talking to them like that. and, And here I am getting into their conversation, talking about drugs. And in my mind, I was debating, should I? Should I not? Should I? Should I not? Well, you know what, I'm not going to go back to that place, and I don't want to hear that preacher. And I, all of a sudden, when I was just about to make a decision that I was going to go out and get, take a fix and use drugs, 2.30 in the morning, close to 3 o'clock in the morning, guess who came walking around looking for me? Nikki Cruz. Hey, Sony! What are you doing here, man? Sonny, what you do with these guys? I said, I need No, no, Sonny, no, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then the other guys are saying, Come on, Sonny, they're stealing. Hey, you leave alone. You leave. No, 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 He's not like you no more. Come on, come on, come on, Sonny. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. No, no, you leave him alone. You leave him alone. You leave him alone. Come on, come on, come on. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he was another guy started pulling me. No, come on, come on. We talk about it in the van. Come on, come on. come talk about it in the van. got me in the van and took me back to the center. And I'm thinking, what would have happened if at that moment, at that moment that I was just about to make a decision and go and take the fix, I probably wouldn't be here today. Maybe some of you wouldn't be here today. Maybe we wouldn't have a victory outreach around the world today. But there was one guy that said, I'm not going to let him go I'm not going to let him go. Devil, you're not going to take him. And he went out there looking. He was looking for hours all over the streets of Brooklyn. Finally, he found me close to 3 o'clock in the morning. And he wouldn't take no, no for an answer. He brought me back. And I think about that day and I say, oh, thank God for Nikki Cruz. Thank God for somebody that had passion and had a burden
0: we pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God to hear more messages visit www.visionintlstore.com thank you for listening God bless you